0: Welcome to the L.A. Public Health Podcast for Monday, July 20th, 2020. I'm Steve Baldwin, and today's show includes comments from L.A. County Board of Supervisors Chair Catherine Barger, followed by an update on COVID-19 led by Dr. Barbara Ferrer, Director of the Los Angeles County Department of Public Health. Thank you for listening, and to keep up with our department on social media, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, at L.A. Public Health. Also, when you have a minute, leave a review of the podcast in your podcast app. We would love to know what you think so far. And now, Supervisor Barger.
1: Thank you. Hello and good afternoon. Thank you for joining us for today's press briefing. I'm Supervisor Catherine Barger, Chair of the Los Angeles County Board of Supervisors. As many of you have heard, Governor Gavin Newsom just announced significant updates regarding closures that will apply to Los Angeles County. Dr. Barbara Ferrer, Director of the Public Department of Public Health is here to provide the latest details on the announcement by the governor. She will also be available to answer any questions about what this means within Los Angeles County. In addition, we are joined by Dr. Deborah Dorado, the superintendent of Los Angeles County Office of Education. Dr. Dorado is here to address the guidance that school districts have requested from the Department of Public Health and the Office Office of Education for the safety and implementation of in-person learning when each individual school district deems it safe and appropriate. I know there's a lot to discuss today, so I would like to turn the mic over to Dr. Barbara Ferrer to give you the daily update and the update on what Dr. uh, Gavin Newsom has announced. Thank you.
2: Uh, Thank you, Supervisor Barger and all the members of the Board of Supervisors for your steadfast leadership and the unwavering dedication to the well-being of our community and the millions of people who call Los Angeles County home. And good afternoon, everyone. Uh, The state of California, as Supervisor Barger noted, uh, this afternoon ordered L.A. County, among 31 other counties throughout the state, to close all indoor operations of gyms and fitness centers, places of worship, indoor protests, offices for non-critical sectors, personal care services, and this would include hair salons, barber shops, nail salons, massage services, and tattoo shops, and indoor malls. Uh, we will heed the guidance that the state gives us to enforce these new state requirements, and will modify our own health officer order. And I know this step back in our recovery journey is disheartening, uh, but we must do everything in our power to stop the virus from spreading, from the making the people we love sick and from causing untimely deaths. These steps are taken in hopes that we get back to slowing the spread. All of our actions and behaviors now help determine what our lives, our communities, and our economy will be like in the months ahead. I've noted before that we're guided by the science and the data, and we're monitoring key metrics to show us how we're doing. And right now, everything is pointing towards an alarming trend. Our data shows us that every day, thousands of people in our communities are being infected with COVID-19, and our friends, families, and neighbors are being hospitalized at a much higher rate. And while our death rate has remained relatively stable, we anticipate that unfortunately, with the rise in hospitalizations, we will soon see corresponding increases in the number of people who pass away. But despite this step back in our recovery journey, we do need to continue our planning for what I hope will be new progress that we make to get our economy and our community back on track. And to that end, in consultation with more than 500 stakeholders, the Department of Public Health has developed reopening protocols for K through 12 schools in LA County. And before I share some of the highlights, I do wanna take a moment and frame this effort. Just because we're offering these protocols, which will be posted today, doesn't mean that we are authorizing schools to reopen for in-person classroom instruction. School reopenings will be guided by the state and by each school district's decision on how to best configure learning opportunities during the pandemic. We'll be considering levels obviously of community transmission and what the science tells us about the risks. But for those schools who are gonna reopen their campuses, they will need to adhere to the public health and safety requirements that are detailed in the protocol that's released today. And you've already heard this morning that LAUSD will not reopen for in-person classes in August, and they will continue uh, their new semester with virtual learning. And we recognize that there are some other school districts that already have also made the decision to continue with virtual learning as they reopen for the new year. Uh, But we are mindful that we do need to prepare for the time when children are able to come back on their campuses and resume in-person classroom opportunities. So with that in mind, it's best to think of the directives that we're issuing today as a roadmap to what school campuses will look like when they're authorized to reopen for in-person instruction and learning. And given the need to consider the level of community transmission in planning for campus reopenings, Every school district and family should be prepared for the possibility that schools may not reopen for in-person instruction as they were originally scheduled. This is the unfortunate and sobering reality we face today. But when schools do reopen, the experience will end up being much different for our children, teachers, and staff. Distance learning will likely still be a component of the curriculum, as schools comply with the need to maximize distancing in classrooms, on campuses, and on buses. And some beloved aspects of the traditional school experience will not be possible right now if they require students and teachers to be in close contact with each other over extended periods of time. Students and staff will have to wear face coverings throughout the school day with reasonable exceptions. For example, young children won't be wearing their face coverings during nap time, and children won't be wearing them, obviously, when they're eating and drinking. Extracurricular activities will be limited, and they may include online meetings for clubs. Team sports that don't allow for, physically, for physical distancing aren't permitted to start up again. Hand washing and hand sanitizing will be encouraged and monitored, especially for our youngest children. And for the full details of the protocol, you can visit publichealth.lacounty.gov. The virus currently rages on in our community and we'll need to do our best to protect our children, our teachers, and the many, many important people who make a school function and who educate our children. For families and parents of school-age children, we know how stressful this situation is. As a former high school principal, a parent and a grandparent myself, I recognize the disruption and the emotional upheaval many are experiencing. And I want to assure you that we are committed to working closely with all of the school districts, our LA County Office of Education and the state as they make their final determination on when to be able to safely reopen schools. These decisions will be informed by data about community spread, hospitalizations and deaths and most importantly they're going to emphasize safety for children teachers school staff and all of their families and you're going to hear more about the county's plan for supporting high quality educational opportunities that provide as much safety as possible uh, to everyone from our very own superintendent Duardo in a few minutes. Uh, unfortunately, today, though, before, uh, super, uh, before Superintendent Duardo comes up to speak, I do want to share our uh, sobering data. I'm sad to report that there's an additional 13 deaths today. Uh, these death, The death reporting does lag uh, over the weekend, but all of the people who died are over the age of 65, and nine people who passed away uh, over the age of 65 had underlying health conditions. This does bring the total number of deaths, to 3,822 in LA County. 93% of the people who have died from COVID-19 have had underlying health conditions. For the 3,553 people who have passed away where race, ethnicity has been identified, 46% are Latino, Latinx, 26% are white, 16% are Asian, 11% are black, and slightly less than 1% are native Hawaiian or Pacific Islander, and 1% identified with another race or ethnicity. We're also reporting an additional 2,593 new cases today, and this does bring the total number of cases in L.A. County to 136,129. These cases include of uh, five thousand three hundred and eighty eight total cases reported by our partners in the city of Long beach and one thousand five hundred and seventeen total cases reported by the city of Pasadena, both which have independent city health departments there are among the cases that we're reporting there are eight hundred and seven total confirmed cases among people experiencing homelessness. currently two hundred and eighty eight people were referred to isolation and quarantine sites to appropriately isolate for the duration of their illness. We've now investigated a total of 939 residential congregate settings and non-residential settings with at least one confirmed case of COVID-19. Currently there are 699 ongoing investigations in institutional settings. And we have 240 closed investigations. Residential settings include nursing homes, assisted living facilities, shelters, treatment centers, supportive living, and correctional facilities. And non-residential settings include workplaces, food and retail, and educational settings. The total number of confirmed cases in institutional settings is now 22,246, and this includes 13,019 confirmed cases among residents, and 9,227 among staff. I am sad to report that 1,965 residents in institutional settings have died from COVID-19. The majority of the people who have passed away resided in our skilled nursing facilities. Of the 13 newly reported deaths today, uh, eight uh, were deaths of people who were uh, residing in our skilled nursing facilities. And we do uh, send out our condolences to all of the families that have lost a loved one uh, who was residing in an institutional setting. We're reporting 3,252 confirmed cases at some point in jail facilities. 2,929 are among people who are incarcerated, and 323 are among staff. The sheriff's office is reporting for their facilities 51 inmates who are currently positive 820 people who are incarcerated and have recovered, 73 inmates that are in isolation, and 2,497 people who are incarcerated that are quarantined. There are 185 cases in the state prison, 128 among people who are incarcerated, and 57 among staff. And there are 757 cases in the federal prison facilities. 741 among people who are incarcerated, and 16 among staff. And our numbers have gone up slightly in juvenile facilities where we're reporting 84 cases, 33 among youth, and 51 among staff. There are 1,338,806 people that have tested uh, and had results reported Uh, in L.A. County, and 9% of the people tested were positive. I do wanna take a chance today to update you on outbreaks at different types of workplaces. Uh, Last week, we told you about an investigation into four COVID-19 deaths of L.A. apparel employees where a massive outbreak raged through the garment factory. That company now has reported more than 300 confirmed cases of the virus among its workers. Their operations remain closed, and they must come into compliance with the health officer order before reopening. And I'll take the first slide, please. So when we look at uh, what's been going on with our institutional settings, the first thing uh, that I think just jumps out is what was going on in our skilled nursing facilities, and that's that green line. And you can see that there was a large increase in outbreaks at the onset of the pandemic, But thankfully, uh, we see a much reduced rate uh, in terms of outbreaks at skilled nursing facilities now. Um, But if you look at the next slide, uh, you're gonna see the effects of reopening other key sectors. So take a look at the blue line, and what you'll see is that shows the steepest recent increase. And this is the line that represents all kinds of workplaces and offices, including warehouses, manufacturing plants, mail services, distribution centers, waste management and retail. And what this tells us is clear that business owners and operators must take their employee health needs seriously and they must heed the public health directives because as we've reopened, we've seen the sharpest increase in workplace outbreaks. And there are real consequences to not following the infection control directives that are in place people's health and their livelihoods are at risk and i also want to do an update about the outbreaks in specific at the skilled nursing facilities uh, we've experienced so much loss at our skilled nursing facilities because of this virus and i'll take the next slide but i do want to note that the seven-day rolling average of daily covid 19 day deaths Uh, is going down. The top line on the graph represents all deaths, and then the seven-day average of COVID-19 deaths among residents in skilled nursing facilities is also going down, and that's the bottom line, the blue line on the graph. We have seen a total number of 1,765 deaths at skilled nursing homes. Uh, But as you can see, with the green line, the average total daily deaths continues to decrease. Uh, as do the average deaths among all people, uh, which is uh, what you're seeing um, on the blue line and on what you're seeing on the green line, sorry. So both the green and the blue line, significant decreases. Um, But I want to note that uh, the decline in deaths that we have seen overall really is a reflection of the decline in deaths at the skilled nursing facilities. Because if we look at our deaths that are unrelated to skilled nursing facilities, those are remaining relatively unchanged. And it also doesn't mean that we're out of the woods because COVID-19 is a deadly virus. And as I've said before, deaths are a lagging indicator. And unfortunately, we're likely to see increases in deaths in the weeks ahead. And I also want to note, and I'll take the next slide, that it's important for us to always be mindful of who exactly uh, is dying and be aware of any disproportionality that we're seeing among deaths. So when we look at deaths broken by race and ethnicity uh, in our nursing homes, we note that more than 32% of the people who passed away were white, 30% were Latino or Latinx, 21% were Asian, 14% were black, and nearly 2% identified with another race or ethnicity. And you will note that white, black, and Asian people who passed away represent a larger portion of skilled nursing facility-associated deaths than they do as a proportion of deaths unassociated with skilled nursing facilities. But the reverse is true for Latino Latinx people. They make up a far larger proportion of deaths unrelated to skilled nursing facilities than the proportion of deaths associated with these facilities. And this may be uh, related to a combination of factors, including the likelihood that older Latino, Latinx residents may not be being placed in skilled nursing facilities at the same rate as other groups are placing uh, residents in skilled nursing facilities. I'll take the next slide. We've had a lot of questions about uh, what's happening with testing at the skilled nursing facilities and as everyone knows uh, there's a health officer order and on uh, an all facilities a letter from the state that requires what we call routine uh, f- testing of both employees and for us here in la county of residents uh, every week at all of our skilled nursing facilities um, and and we will have a detailed update about a survey that all of our skilled nursing facilities complete, noting rates of positivity among those who are being tested. But I think for now it's important to note that almost every single facility was implementing the required testing of both patients and staff. Um, So if you look, you'll see there's just a high rate of compliance uh, for the few facilities that are not complying uh, our staff are calling them and working with them this week to make sure that again there are no lags in the ability to test employees and residents on an ongoing basis. And then for the last slide here, uh, the next slide. Uh, I just wanted to summarize that in the past 60 days, the Health Facilities Inspection Division conducted on-site investigations at all 380 skilled facilities, skilled nursing facilities throughout LA County, not just the 315 that are under our immediate uh, jurisdiction. Every day, they also conduct daily monitoring of every facility that has an outbreak, and this could include some on-site visits, virtual inspections, and phone calls. Uh, based on the investigations that were recently completed, uh, 13 facilities were cited for infection control violations, um, and these, as you can see, included a range of issues um, that, in fact, uh, included not properly using the PPE for staff, making, not making sure that there was uh, good infection control around cleaning, uh, making sure that uh, residents that were possibly infected were, in fact, isolated, separate from others, um, and that visitors, whenever they came in, which is very limited, uh, were not being screened. Um, so we'll work with those 13. Uh, they will get a revisit to make sure, of course, Uh, that they're in compliance. Uh, Again, uh, the work that we do in our skilled nursing facilities really does, in fact, protect both the livelihoods of all of the people that are there caring uh, for our loved ones, but they also protect all of the residents that live there. Uh, I know that today's news is disappointing. So in closing, I just want to note that we flattened the curve before, and I know we can do it again. Stay home as much as you can. If you do need to go out for work or important errands, please remember that you must wear your face covering, uh, and it must cover both your mouth and your nose. Uh, Avoid the three Cs, crowds, confined spaces, and close contact with people you don't live with. If we continue to make these adjustments, which we've all done before, we will start seeing, I believe, a decrease uh, in the number of new cases, hospitalizations, and deaths. That means in creating this new normal, we actually are allowed to continue our recovery journey. But it is truly a community effort. We have the power to slow the devastating spread of the virus if we all decide we want to do our part. And now you have an opportunity to hear from LA County Superintendent of Education, Dr. Deborah Duarte.
3: Good afternoon. These are unprecedented times for educators who are working extremely hard to support students, staff, and families. We want to commend the 80 LA County districts, their staff, and parents for their flexibility and creativity in response to the pandemic. They have made sure learning continues and students are fed. They have kept students physically and emotionally healthy. We are grateful for our partnership with Dr. Farrar and Public Health. Together, we are completing the incredibly complex process of building protocols to keep students and staff safe. Our goal is to bring students back to school as safely as possible. Districts have been planning to reopen since the day they closed. We know that young people learn best in the classroom engaged with their teachers and friends while we are eager to reopen schools the health and safety of students staff and families must come first closing and reopening schools are difficult decisions each school district must make districts must follow public health directives while grappling with financial uncertainty Essential health and safety equipment is expensive and not budgeted in many cases. And we are extremely grateful to the Governor's Office of Emergency Services who is allocating PPE supplies for schools. What we have received so far is only a tiny fraction of what is needed to reopen schools. Districts have been planning for all possible scenarios, distance learning, hybrid or coming back since schools closed in march they are now finalizing plans and communicating with their communities through emails phone calls and virtual halls it is important to note that the pandemic is evolving a very fluid situation these plans may change Lego will support districts with communication tools to help with ongoing communications and updates. The legislator has made changes to increase the level of accountability for districts and their distance learning for students. The L.A. County Task Force of Superintendents developed a comprehensive guideline to make reopening fit the needs of our diverse communities. We will update our planning framework based on the new guidelines in the coming days. We will also reconvene our our L.A. County Superintendent Task Force to develop next steps. We are grateful to Dr. Farrar for joining LACO's weekly phone calls with all 80 superintendents as we prepare for the start of the school year. We are working on partnerships to find alternative locations to support families who need childcare and students who struggle with learning. Thankfully in LA County, we have a powerful partnership among our 80 districts along with county agencies and other stakeholders. Everyone in Los Angeles County can support our efforts to get students back into the classrooms by following public health guidelines. We are in this together. We will prevail together. Thank you for your support.
4: Ladies and gentlemen, if you wish to ask a question, please press one then zero on your telephone keypad. You may withdraw your question at any time by repeating the one and zero command. If you are using a speakerphone, please pick up the handset before pressing the numbers. Once again on the phone, if you have a question, you may press one then zero at this time. We will begin with the line of Ryan Carter with LA Daily News. Please go ahead. Hi, Ryan. Hello, hello, supervisor. Uh, hello, Dr. Pereira. Okay, so um, thank you for these. These are sobering numbers for sure. Um, Do um, just to go back to LA Apparel, just briefly. um, I'm wondering if such warehouses come under the latest uh, health order and directive from the state. um, You know, do they do they need to close outright themselves to to indoor activity? Um, And I wondered if, if 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 you could elaborate a little bit more on what public health needs to see for such places um, to reopen, uh, for a place like this factory to reopen. And you know, just if you have any further concerns about that um, more broadly with other such factories. Thank you. Thank you.
2: Uh, thanks so much, Ryan. Um, and I appreciate that question. Obviously extraordinarily concerned about the situation at LA Apparel. And uh, I had a t- I've had a team there almost every day uh, for the last few days working uh, with With all of their managers and operators, uh, to make sure that that place does come in full compliance with the directives uh, they uh, they are a manufacturing plant that is in fact um, producing goods and services that are considered essential. Uh, I actually think they also produce uh, cloth face coverings and and we thank all the workers who have been part of that production team uh, but they do they do have to come in line with every single. Directive, uh, both that's in the existing protocols for how to operate an essential business with as much safety as possible, but also now uh, they need to come in compliance with the list of issues we identified on the inspections, um, that would allow us to feel comfortable that when they reopen, there's as much safety as possible uh, for for all of their workers. Uh, I do want to note they've made great strides; they've put in a lot of the modifications. That are absolutely required including getting rid of cardboard partitions that you know there's just no way those were offering uh, the kind of safety that we needed to see uh, in a plant Uh, they're working today on training their staff uh, in small groups so that the staff understand uh, again uh, what the responsibilities are of the employer and what they should expect as they're uh, going through their day in terms of Uh, being able to have access to uh, washing and hand sanitizing uh, facilities, uh, often breaks uh, that allow you to do this. Uh, But in in this situation, uh, there was an issue about sort of plant safety and protocols, and then there was an issue about getting accurate information about who the workers were and what their test results were, because they're all required to be tested at this point. So we need the uh, factory, operators to make sure we have a line list that they're giving us every day that actually lets us know the status of every worker uh, so that we can make a determination on which workers are in fact allowed back in the plant once the plant would be allowed to reopen. Uh, but again, they have to come in full compliance, and they've had a list from us that details uh, what the remaining issues are. So so I thank you for that question, but they are in fact allowed as, as part of an essential manufacturing Plant uh, to remain open once they come into compliance uh, with the directives uh, under which we close them. We'll take the next question.
4: Next question comes to the line of Rob Hayes with ABC7 Eyewitness News.
1: Go ahead, Rob. Sorry, I had you on
4: mute again. Um, um. Hi, Rob. Good to hear from you guys. Uh, while we're on the subject of L.A. apparel, um, the workers there were making masks. And I'm just curious, can the virus spread through contaminated masks? And uh, if so, are there any efforts to uh, recall those masks or track down where they went?
2: Yeah, thanks a lot. Uh, that's a good question. Uh, highly unlikely that there would be transmission But I want to remind everybody that whether you're purchasing a mask or other clothing, uh, it's always helpful to please wash uh, anything you do purchase, any clothing, any masks, uh, before you use them. So I would encourage everybody to go ahead, uh, wherever you're buying your mask uh, from, you should do a, a thorough washing of that mask before you put it on. That would be the safest thing to do. So thanks, and we'll take the next question.
4: Our next question comes to the line of Colleen Shelby with Los Angeles Times. Please go ahead.
5: Hi, thanks for taking my questions. Um, LA school superintendent Butner has said that in order for the schools to reopen, an agency that's not the school district would need to ensure that every student and staff member will be tested regularly and there will be contact tracing available at schools. Just wondering if there are any plans for that um, And if there's any clear guidance for educators or concerned parents um, that may be debating right now whether to put their children back in school, even if the school district decides to reopen, is there a threshold for number of infections or positivity rate that would indicate um, safety in terms of reopening or closures? Um, My other question is in regards to indoor malls that have been affected, um, does that affect in-store shopping at all?
2: Um, yeah, thanks Thanks for those questions. Um, um, obviously, um, the decision on uh, when to open schools is a complicated decision, and I appreciate uh, that there's uh, been conversations certainly about what's the role of testing and certainly what's the role of contact tracing. And I think... The role of contact tracing is really at the point that there's a positive case anywhere, not just in a school, but in our community, is we need to interview the case, or in this case, the case's parent, uh, and identify what the close contacts were. And in this case, if it's in a school setting, obviously identifying those close contacts is a joint effort that we do uh, hand-in-hand uh, with school administrators so that we can figure out where that child or teacher was and where those exposures may have been. Uh, in terms of, uh, and, and so that is definitely a role that the, the health department plays and, and you know ought to play uh, in any kind of investigation in an institutional setting. We do try to make sure that we're able to identify the close contacts and interview the cases. That means isolation happens and quarantine happens. And that's the way we really try to contain the spread uh, in our community. So both really essential uh, parts of the work that we have to do here at the health department. Uh, in terms of testing, you know, um, there, there's been a lot of talk. I, I think Germany is probably the only country I know of that has instituted some kind of testing for students. I mean, I, I've, I've sort of did, you know, a, a quick look at where all the schools are that have reopened and what have been the conditions under which they're reopening. And that's really the only school district I've noted that has uh, done some testing um, to try to actually figure out uh, how they should be looking at safety uh, in their school environment. Uh, We think uh, because there's, uh, A, this is a very large county, and B, there's a limit to what testing will tell us um, in terms of testing everyone, Uh, at a regular basis, that the best thing to do right now is to, in fact, do all of the modifications that really make it hard for this virus to spread. You know, I would just as a reminder, one of the reasons why our testing strategies uh, don't offer us as much protection as we might hope is that when you test negative, it's really only a reflection of your status at the moment you were tested. And right now, there's an average of a four-day wait to get those results back, And in those four days, you could easily become uh, positive uh, and asymptomatic, and then, of course, you're somebody who could spread to others. So it's really important that we think about testing as one of the tools in our toolbox, but uh, certainly for schools being able to operate as safely as possible. It's going to be way more important, I think, right now to have all the systems in place that allow for us to uh, really prevent as much as possible, the kind of close contact that makes it easy for there to be transmission. I think as we learn more and uh, have better testing capacity, uh, it's worth sort of revisiting what the role is of testing in the schools, Uh, but right now I would urge us to really focus a lot on the infection control and the distancing uh, protocols that we've put in place and use testing as the strategy that's most important to use once you have an identified positive case, because we do recommend Once we have a positive case anywhere, that close contacts uh, do get tested so that we can, in fact, you know, quickly uh, dampen any spread uh, that may have happened. It's also hard to know sometimes whether the close contact was actually the index case or the first person uh, that ended up uh, getting identified as positive Uh, In terms of uh, closing schools, once they reopen, is there going to be a particular threshold? You know, we've been working and listening uh, really hard to what the districts are asking for. Uh, They ask for some flexibility. Obviously, in outbreak situations, and that's three or more people in a facility that have been positive, that are found to be positive over a 14-day period, you do have to work with the health department, and we, along with the school administrators, will make a decision on what's the best course of action. I wouldn't wanna say that it's a one size fits all here because there are unique situations on where those exposures happened, who's positive and who those close contacts are. And we would have to take that into account when we think about whether or not uh, a facility needs to close. Um, And I don't know if Dr. Eduardo wants to add anything about the safety issues.
3: Thank you. Right now, all 80 of our districts have plans in place to ensure that there is not a spread of this virus in terms of following all the PPE uh, implementation, making sure our students are wearing masks, that they are washing their hands frequently, that they are six feet apart at all times and that we're disinfecting um, all frequently touched surfaces, uh, restrooms, Um, ensuring that when meals are um, provided, that uh, it's done in a very safe way. So right now, as Dr. Farrar mentioned, our plan is really to focus on prevention and ensuring that our students and our staff are well-trained and really understand the importance of maintaining um, those protocols. Thank you.
1: And we have time for one more question.
4: We'll go to the line of Cerise Castle with KCRW. Please go ahead.
5: Thanks for taking the question. Um, So earlier this afternoon,
4: the governor released a guidance that outlined a number of businesses and recreation centers that will be subject to closure. Among those things included were indoor protests. I'm wondering if the county has a plan of enforcement for uh, banning indoor protests.
2: We'll be adhering fully with the governor's orders, and we will be modifying our own health officer order to reflect that. So, yes, the answer is indoor protests are now not allowed uh, in the county of, of L.A. anywhere. So thanks for that question.
1: We'll now do remarks in Spanish.
6: Buenas tardes. El estado de California ordenó esta tarde que el condado de Los Ángeles, entre otros condados a través del estado, eh, cierren todas las operaciones interiores de gimnasios, lugares de adoración, protestas en interiores, oficinas para sectores no críticos, servicios de cuidado personal, incluyendo salones de belleza, salones de uñas y servicios de masajes y de tatuajes y el interior de centros comerciales. Vamos a seguir eh, la guía del estado para hacer cumplir estos nuevos requisitos estatales. Este paso hacia hacia atrás, eh, nuestro viaje hacia la recuperación, es desalentador. Pero debemos hacer todo lo que esté en nuestro alcance para evitar que este virus se propague y prevenir que ocasione más hospitalizaciones y fallecimientos. Todas nuestras acciones y comportamientos ahora ayudan a determinar cómo serán nuestras vidas, comunidades y economías en los próximos meses. Hemos dicho en varias ocasiones que nos guiamos por la ciencia y los datos eh, clave que estamos vigilando. Y estos datos están mostrando tendencias alarmantes. Nuestros datos muestran que cada día miles de personas en nuestras comunidades están siendo infectadas por COVID-19 y nuestros amigos, familiares y vecinos están siendo hospitalizados uh, en en más números. Y aunque nuestra tasa de mortalidad se ha mantenido estable, eh, anticipamos que por desgracia con el aumento de hospitalizaciones eh, pronto veremos aumentos en el número de fallecimientos. A pesar de este paso atrás en nuestro camino hacia la recuperación, tenemos que seguir planificando para el futuro de nuestra comunidad y nuestra economía. Y con ese fin, en consulta con más de 500 socios, el Departamento de Salud Pública ha desarrollado protocolos para la reapertura de escuelas de los grados de kinder al 12 grado en el condado de Los Ángeles. El hecho de que estemos ofreciendo estos protocolos no significa que estemos autorizando a las escuelas a reabrir para dar clases en persona en el aula. La reapertura de las escuelas serán guiadas por el estado y por la decisión de cada distrito escolar sobre cómo configurar mejor las oportunidades de aprendizaje eh, durante la pandemia, considerando los niveles de transmisión en la comunidad y la ciencia que nos dice sobre los riesgos. Para las escuelas que reabrirán sus instalaciones, ellos tendrán que cumplir con los requisitos de salud y seguridad pública que están detallados en el protocolo que fue publicado hoy. Ya oyó que el Distrito Escolar Unificado de Los Ángeles, L-A-U-S-T, por sus siglas en inglés, eh, no reabrirá para las clases en persona en agosto y que continuarán con el aprendizaje virtual. Reconocemos que algunos distritos escolares ya han tomado la decisión de continuar con el aprendizaje virtual a manera que se reabren para el nuevo año. Pero somos conscientes de la necesidad de prepararse para un aumento en que los, perdón, para un momento en que los niños puedan regresar al aula en persona. Con Con esto en mente, lo mejor es pensar en las directivas que estamos emitiendo hoy como una guía para cómo serán uh, las instalaciones escolares cuando uh, empiecen a dar clases en persona. Dada la necesidad de considerar el nivel de transmisión en la comunidad y en la planificación de las reaperturas um, de las escuelas, Cada distrito escolar y familia debe estar preparado para la posibilidad de que las escuelas no puedan reabrir para la instrucción uh, en persona como se programó originalmente. Esta es la desof- desafortunada realidad en las que nos enfrentamos. Y cuando las escuelas reabrirán, la experiencia será muy diferente para nuestros hijos, maestros y personal. El- es probable que la enseñanza La enseñanza a distancia siga siendo un componente del plan de aprendizaje a medida que las escuelas cumplan con la necesidad de asegurar el distanciamiento físico en las aulas uh, y en las instalaciones escolares y en los autobuses. Y algunos aspectos queridos de la experiencia escolar uh, tradicional no serán posibles en este momento si requieren que los estudiantes y los maestros tengan contacto cercano. Los estudiantes y el personal tendrán que usar cubiertas de tela para la cara durante todo el día eh, con excepciones razonables. Por ejemplo, los niños pequeños no tendrán que usar la cubierta de tela para la cara durante su tiempo de siesta. Las actividades extracurriculares serán limitadas y pueden incluir reuniones en línea. Los deportes de equipo que no permiten el distanciamiento físico aún no podrán volver a empezar. Se va a fomentar y supervisar el lavado y la desinfección de manos, especialmente para nuestros niños más pequeños. Para obtener el protocolo, puede eh, visitar publichealth.lacounty.gov. Para las familias y los padres de niños en edad escolar, sabemos lo estresante que es esta situación. Queremos asegurarles que estamos comprometidos a trabajar en estrecha colaboración con todos los distritos escolares, nuestra oficina de educación del condado de Los Ángeles y el estado, ya que ellos toman la determinación final sobre cuándo reabrir las escuelas. Estas decisiones serán informadas por datos sobre la propagación de la comunidad, hospitalizaciones y fallecimientos. Uh, Igual que vamos a enfatizar la seguridad de los maestros, el personal y todas las familias. Y hoy eh, me gustaría darles más información acerca de los casos y fallecimientos. Eh, Hoy estamos tristes de reportar 13 fallecimientos adicionales. Esto eleva el número total de fallecimientos en el condado de Los Ángeles a 3,822. El 93% de las personas que han fallecido a causa de COVID-19 tenían condiciones delicadas de salud. Para las 3,553 personas que han fallecido donde se identificó la raza etnicidad, el 46% son latinos, el 26% son blancos, El 16% son asiáticos. El 11% son afroamericanos. El 1% son nativos de Hawái o de las Islas del Pacífico. Y 1% son de otra raza etnicidad. También estamos reportando 2,593 casos nuevos. Esto eleva el número total de casos en el condado de Los Ángeles a 136,129. Estamos reportando 807 casos confirmados entre personas sin hogar. Y hemos investigado un total de 939 entornos de congregación residenciales y no residenciales, con al menos un caso confirmado de COVID-19. El total de casos confirmados en entornos institucionales es de 22,246, incluidos tanto el personal como los residentes. 13,019 eh, son empleados. También nos da tristeza informar que 1,965 residentes en entornos institucionales han muerto a causas de COVID-19. La mayoría de estas personas residían en centros de enfermería especializada. Hoy también reportamos 3,252 casos confirmados en algún momento en las instalaciones de la cárcel. 200, perdón, 2,929 entre las personas uh, encarceladas y 323 empleados. La oficina del Aguacil reporta que en sus instalaciones, 51 personas encarceladas dieron resultados positivos. 820 personas se han recuperado y 73 personas están en aislamiento y dos mil cuatrocientos están en cuarentena hay 185 casos en la prisión estatal y hay 757 casos en las prisiones federales y 84 casos en las instalaciones juveniles uh, resultados para uh, 1,338,806 pruebas de COVID-19 han sido reportadas al Departamento de Salud Pública y el 9% fueron positivas. También queremos actualizar los brotes en diferentes tipos de lugares de trabajo. La semana pasada les contamos sobre una investigación sobre cuatro fallecimientos de COVID-19 de empleados en la compañía Los Angeles Apparel, donde un brote masivo arrasó la fábrica. Esa empresa tiene ahora más de 300 casos confirmados del virus entre sus trabajadores. Sus operaciones permanecen cerradas y deben cumplir con la orden del oficial de salud antes de reabrir. Slide one, please. Vea la línea verde. Verá que en los centros de enfermería especializada hubo un gran aumento en brotes al inicio de la pandemia. Afortunadamente, eso ha disminuido en este momento. Slide two, please. Sin embargo, ahora estamos viendo los efectos de la reapertura en otros sectores. Vea la línea azul que muestra el aumento reciente. Estos son todo tipo de lugares de trabajo y oficinas, incluyendo, pero no limitado a almacenes, a fabricantes, servicios de correo, centros de distribución y otros negocios. Estamos trabajando para profundizar estos datos aún más, pero lo que esto nos dice es claro: los negocios deben tomar en serio las necesidades de sus empleados y deben prestar atención a las directrices del, de salud pública. Hay consecuencias reales al no seguir las directivas de control de infecciones y de salud y, uh, perdón, la salud y lo, las finanzas de las personas están en juego. También tengo una actualización hoy sobre los brotes en centros de enfermería especializada. Hemos experimentado tanta pérdida en nuestros centros de enfermería especializada debido a este virus. Next slide. Este gráfico muestra el promedio de 7 días de fallecimientos diarias de COVID-19. Esa es la línea superior en el gráfico y el promedio de siete días de fallecimientos de COVID-19 entre los residentes de instalaciones de enfermería especializada. Esa es la línea en la parte de abajo. Hemos visto un total de 1,765 fallecimientos en hogares de ancianos. Como se puede ver en la línea verde, el promedio total de fallecimientos diarios continúa disminuyendo, al igual que el promedio de fallecimientos diarios entre las personas que residen en centros de enfermería especializada, que es la línea azul. Al interpretar este gráfico, es importante tener en cuenta que los recientes eh, disminuciones en los últimos días pueden ser en parte un retraso en los informes. Pero incluso teniendo esto en cuenta, el total de fallecimientos y fallecimientos en centros de enfermería especializadas sigue disminuyendo. La disminución de los fallecimientos en general es el resultado de la disminución de los fallecimientos en centros de enfermería especializada. Los fallecimientos no relacionados con centros de enfermería especializada uh, permanecen esencialmente sin cambio. Next slide. Nuestros nuestros datos muestran que en las instalaciones de enfermería especializada, los fallecimientos por raza etnicidad uh, son los siguientes. Más del 32% era entre blancos, 30% eran uh, latinos, 21% eran asiáticos, 14% eran uh, afroamericanos, y casi el 2% se identificaban con otra raza etnicidad. Las personas blancas, eh, afroamericanas y asiáticas representan una proporción más grande de los fallecimientos asociados con los centros de enfermería especializada, eh, que como proporción de fallecimientos no asociadas a estas instalaciones. Lo contrario es cierto para la gente latina, uh, que conforman una proporción mucho más grande de fallecimientos no relacionadas con instalaciones de enfermería especializada, que la proporción de fallecimientos asociadas a estas instalaciones. Esto puede reflejar un menor eh, Una menos probabilidad de que los residentes latinos mayores sean colocados en centros de enfermería especializada o pueda haber algunos otros factores en el trabajo. Next slide. En una encuesta reciente de las instalaciones de enfermería especializada en el condado de Los Angeles, casi todas las instalaciones estaban implementando pruebas requeridas, tanto de los pacientes como del personal. Tendremos una actualización más tarde esta semana. Next slide. En los últimos 60 días, la eh, División de Inspecciones de Salud Pública ha llevado a cabo una investigación uh, en 380 centros de enfermería especializada en el Condado de Los Ángeles. Y todos los días realizan um, vigilancia a diario de estas instalaciones, eh, inspecciones virtuales y llamadas telefónicas. Hemos um, dado, uh, hemos citado violaciones del control de infecciones en 13 de estas instalaciones. Sabemos que las noticias de hoy son decepcionantes, pero hemos uh, aplanado la curva antes y podemos hacerlo de nuevo. Eh, quédese en casa tanto como sea posible y si necesitas salir, por fa- a hacer Para trabajar o para hacer sus mandados importantes, por favor utilice su cubierta de tela para la cara, siempre cubriéndose la boca y la nariz. Y eh, asegúrese de evitar las multitudes, evite espacios confinados y evite uh, contacto cercano con personas con las que no vive. Si hacemos estos sacrificios, eh, como hemos hecho antes, y podemos empezar a ver una disminución en el número de nuevos casos y de fallecimientos. And now we'll go ahead um, with remarks in uh, Armenian. I'm so sorry. Today we'll go ahead and follow up with remarks from our school superintendent. Buenas tardes. Quiero dar las gracias
3: a los 80 distritos del condado de Los Ángeles y padres por su flexibilidad y creatividad en responder a la pandemia. Se han asegurado de que nuestros estudiantes pueden seguir con sus estudios, siguen recibiendo comida y que sigan físicamente y emocionalmente saludables. Nuestro objetivo es traer a los estudiantes de regreso a la escuela de la manera más segura posible. Los distritos han estado planeando abrir desde el día que cerramos las escuelas. Sabemos que nuestros estudiantes aprenden mejor en en frente de un maestro en clase. Pero es importante que la salud y la seguridad de los Los estudiantes, el personal de escuelas y familias sea nuestra prioridad. Cerrar y abrir escuelas son decisiones difíciles que cada distrito escolar debe tomar. Los distritos deben seguir las directivas de salud pública y al mismo tiempo tomar decisiones con mucha duda financiera. El equipo necesario para mantener la salud y seguridad es costoso y en muchos casos no fue incluido en el presupuesto de escuelas. Estoy muy agradecida al gobernador por mandar equipo de protección personal para nuestras escuelas, aunque solo hemos recibido una pequeña fracción de lo que se necesita para abrir las escuelas. Nuestros distritos están planeando para todos los escenarios posibles desde que las escuelas cerraron en marzo. Ahora están finalizando planes y comunicándose con sus comunidades a través de correos electrónicos, llamadas telefónicas y juntas virtuales. Es importante tener en cuenta que la situación con la pandemia está cambiando cada día y planes para abrir escuelas pueden cambiar. La Oficina de Educación del Condado va a seguir apoyando a a los distritos para que puedan comunicarse seguido con sus familias, personal y estudiantes. La legislatura ha recibido cambios para aumentar el nivel de responsabilidad para los distritos y sus planes de aprendizaje virtual para los estudiantes. Un grupo de superintendentes del condado ayudó en formar un guía para escuelas para planear y prepararse para abrir escuelas. Seguiremos cambiando el guía para que tomen en cuenta todos los cambios de la pandemia. Volveremos a reunir este grupo de superintendentes para seguir planeando para los próximos pasos para escuelas. Estoy muy agradecida de la doctora Ferrar por participar en nuestras llamadas telefónicas seminales con todos los superintendentes del condado para seguir preparando el abrir de escuelas y el comienzo del año escolar. Estamos tra- trabajando con otros departamentos del condado y otras organizaciones para identificar lugares alternativos donde las familias que necesitan cuidado infantil y los estudiantes que tienen dificultades para aprender. Afortunadamente, tenemos una fuerte asociación y colaboración con todos los distritos escolares en el condado. Todos en el condado pueden apoyar nuestros esfuerzos para que todos estudiantes puedan seguir sus estudios y mantener su salud y seguridad. Gracias por su apoyo. Ahora vamos a dar comentarios en armenio. Gracias
5: վարյոր բոլորին Շնորհակալ եմ վրա հսկիչ մարմինների ողջ խորորթին։ Կալիֆորնիայན་ ահնգապետը այսօր կեսօրին հայտարարել է, որ Նահանգում նանգ, եւ Լոս Անջելոս շրջանում փակելու են բոլոր գործողությունները հետեւյալ բնակավայրերում։ Մարզադահլիճներում, ֆիթնես կենտրոններում, երկրպագության վայրերում, ողոքի ցույցերի փակ տարածքում գրասենյակները ոչ քրիտիկական հիմ կունացող անհատական խնամքի ծառայություններում, ներառյալ մազերի սր, սրահերում, յեգունների սրահերում, մերսման ծառայություններում եւ տաճվածքային սրաներում, փակ տարածքում գտնվող խանութներում։ Վերականգնման մեր ճանապարին այս քայլը հուս, հուսահատեցնում է, բայց մենք պետք է անենք հնարավոր ամեն Այս են այն հույսով, որ մենք վերադառնանք տարածումը դանդաղեցնելու։ Մեր բոլոր գործողությունները եւ պահվածքները այժմ օկնում են որոշել, թե ինչպեսին կլինի մեր կյանքը, համայնքները եւ տնտեսությունը առաջիկա ամիսների ընթացքում։ Ես կրկին անգամ եմ ասել, գիտությամբ եւ տվյալները մեր տվյալներն ու դիտությունը դեռ ցույց տալիս մեզ, որ ամենուր մեր համայնքներում գտնվում են հոսպիտալացումներ, բայց մենք չնայած մեր վերականգնման ճանապարհին այս քայլին, մենք պետք է պլանավորել այն, է, որ ընդաց, եւ is نخن Drvatskin. نگان در وادش کن. 500 կողմերի հետ گف، او ولی کان هیچ‌ها روش کمربی هد خورت اکسلوف. حصارکوچان، آروخچوچان، وارچوچونه مشکل ویرا بازمان آرزان اغروچونر. یه ولس، انجلو شرجانی Բարձապես այն պատճառով, որ մենք առաջարկում ենք այդ առողջագրությունները, չի նշանակում, որ մենք դրոցներին իրավունք ենք տալիս վերաբացվել անհետական դասանների ուսուցմանը։ Դրոցների վերաբացումը կaraշնորթվի պետության կողմից եւ յուրաքանչյուր դրոցական շրջանի աճումը, թե ինչպես լավագույնս կարկավորել համաճարակի մակարդակները եւ գիտությունները որոնք մեզ պատում են ռիսկերի մասին այս դրոսների համար որոնք վերաբացվեն նրանք պետք է պահպանեն հանրության առողջապահության եւ անվտանգության պահանջները որոնք մանրա�, մանրամասը ներկայացված են այսոր, հրապարակված արցունակրություներում այսօր արդեն լսել են, որ լոս քաղաքի դրոսները օգոստոսի վերջին չեն վերաբացվի անհատական դասնթացների եւ որ դրան կշարունակվեն վիրտուալ ուսուցմամբ։ Ներկայ <N-D-19> իրավիճակի մասին տվյալները հետևյալն են։ Այսօր ցավով ենք հայտնում Եվս 13 մահվան մասին։ Այս մարդկանցից 9-ը 65 տարեկանից բարձր եւ ունեցել են ուղեղացող առողջական Los շրջանում։ Етничката պատկանելությունը հետևյալն է, է։ 46 Кара լատինո вец то коло սպիտակ, 16 Латинек, се 11 то коло се Спидак, таа се вец то коло се Азијан, COVID-19-ով մահացած անձանց 93%-ը ունեցել են ուղղացող առողջական խնդիրներ, ինչը կարևորում է այն անձանց, ովքեր առողջության լուրջ խնդիրներ ունեն, մնալ տանը եւ հնարավորինս խուսափել սերտ կապերից։ Այսօր մենք հայտնում ենք 2593 նոր դեպքեր։ Եվ է Լոս Անջելոյի շրջանի դրական դեպքերի ընդհանուր թիվը 136129 Այս դեպքերը ներառում են Long Beach քաղաքում ներգործ ընկերների կողմից գրանցված 5388 դեպքեր, իսկ Pasadena կողմից գրանցված 1517 դեպքեր, որոնք ունեն անկախ առողջապահական բաժանմունքներ։ Մենք հայտնում ենք 807 հաստատված դեպք Անոթևան ապրող մարտկան շրջանում, ապա տան գտած 288 անձինք Պաճաճ կերպով մեկուսացված են եւ կապերը կարանտինացված են։ Անոթեւան ապրով մարտկաց մեծ մասը, ովքեր դրական են covid համար, եղել են միության փրկարար առողջության հյուրերը։ Ներկայումս وزند բնակելի հաստատություններ هستاد تونر یه հիմնարկներ։ که միջավայրում հաստատված ընդհանուր դեպքերը اینستیتیونال ն են, وقت անձնակազմը եւ բնակիչները։ Այս դեպքերից هزار ովքեր ապրում են ինստիտუციոնալ պայմաններում մահացել են COVID-19-ից։ Ինստիտუციոնալ միջավայրում բնակվող մահացածների 62% -ը բնակվում են հմուտ պուշկուրական հաստատություններում։ Մենք ցավում ենք այս կորուստի համար։ Մենք զեկուցում ենք, որ հաստատված 3252 դեպքեր արձանագրվել են քրիա կատարողական 2929 هزار این نارکسان این دادا پارتیال یه یکارکسان یه کشخاتو، هریک ات سونه یک دبک نهانگاین بانتروم، هریکسانو بانتریال یه هیچون یاد اشخاتو، یاد هر هیچون یاد دبک فدرال بانتروم، یاد هر کراسون مگ بانتریال یه աշխատողներին, բնակիչներին, ընտանիքներին տեղեկացնելուց հետո ավելի քան 1 338 806 մարդ տեստավորվել են եւ արդյունքները զեկուցվել են Լոս շրջան, որոնցից 9% դրական են։ Ես ուզում եմ քաջալեր Ձեզ տեստավորվել, եթե ունեք ախտանიშներ, Ձեր համար կարող է կայցել այցելել covid19.lacounty.gov/testing Ես գիտեմ, որ այսօրվա լուրերը հիաստապեցնող են, բայց մենք նախ կնում իջեցրել կորը եւ կարող ենք նորից դա անել Հնարավորինս մնացեք տանը։ Եթե ձեզ հարկավոր է դուրս գալ աշխատանքի համար, ծածկեք եւ հոսապեկ բազմությունից, շահմանափակ տարացքից եւ սերտ կապերից այն մարկանց հետ, որոնց հետ չեք ապրում։ Եթե մենք կատարենք այս զոհաբերությունը, որոնք մենք արել ենք նախկինում եւ տեսել ենք նոր դեպքերի եւ մահերի նվազում, մենք կստեղծենք որը իսկապես Thank you. This concludes the press conference.
0: This episode of LA Public Health was produced by the Los Angeles County Department of Public Health. Our department is nationally accredited by the Public Health Accreditation Board and is committed to protecting and improving the health of over 10 million residents in Los Angeles County. For more information about DPH programs and services, visit publichealth.lacounty.gov and follow us on social media at L.A. Public Health. My name is Steve Baldwin, and you've been listening to the L.A. Public Health Podcast.